This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome, everyone, to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. The must-listen-to Saturday morning sports talk show in all the land. For the next two hours, we got nothing but great sports content for you. And trust me, you need to be listening in for the next two hours because we got tons of great stuff on tap for today. I'll give you the idea idea what we got for the guest list in a little bit but of course first things first let me know what let me let me talk to you about today's poll question of the day and this will be one of the main topics you can call in on of course there's no holds barred you can call us up about whatever you want be it all elite wrestling be it nfl college football cfl even i actually watched some the Hamilton Tiger Cats last night. So if you want to talk about that, a whole lot of other topics, NBA free agency, obviously, we're about 24 hours away from the unofficial start, whenever the free agents can start negotiating with the teams, which is something interesting that's never been done before. It makes free agency a lot more entertaining. So hopefully come Monday at noon, we can have more of a concrete idea of what's going to happen with the big dogs. I'm talking quite literally the big dogs of their respective franchises. Like, What's going to happen with Kevin Durant? What's going to happen with Kawhi Leonard? That's a million different things that could be happening. But, of course, it's also all about the big poll question. Every single Saturday, I try and come up with a poll question that gets people talking, that makes people wonder, what's causing all this? And, of course, the big question I have is something that's definitely been brewing over the last week or so. I don't know, me and Ben talked about a little bit about the potential of UConn now that they've jumped out of the AAC. Could the Cajuns pull a hopscotch and hop right back in that spot now? that there's a spot available in the AAC. So that's the poll question. Could the Cajuns make the move to the AAC? It's just that simple. You can check it out right now, 103.7thegame.com. That's where you go to answer our poll questions of the day. Of course, we also have the sink or swim question of the day. It's up there as well, the one from earlier this week. But, RJ, I want you to vote on my poll because, honestly, my poll is a lot more timely. So, hey, just make sure you do so when you get a chance. But, of course, moving over, we got to kind of take things to a different level because this show is always fun, great way to get the weekend kick-started. But, of course, if you don't know what's going on this weekend, how can you really have an idea of what's going on in the world of sports? And that's why I'm here to tell you what's on tap for the weekend ahead. The weekend is finally upon us. Oh, hell yeah! Pull up a bar stool and let's get you informed about what's on tap right now. 
Oh, and there's a lot of things on tap. You might think it's the dog days of summer. What in the world is that? Starting things off, I think we got to bring up soccer fever. It is still rolling through the states, largely because of the U.S. women's national team looking really good in a 2-1 victory in the quarterfinals to advance to the next round. Of course, it had to be Megan Rapinoe getting the team to victory. Even throwing up a pose after I think they went up 2 nothing. that I think Randy Orton would be proud of. The way she outstretched her arms, it was very much R United Entertainment Gladiator-esque. But immediately, everybody that I know on Twitter was putting up the picture of Megan Rapino side-by-side with one Randall Keith Orton circa 2004, which I honestly had to laugh about, especially the tweets that said, Rapino out of nowhere, and I absolutely love it. But, of course, everybody is talking about some of her <coughs> statements as of late. These people have listened to this program in the past in whatever combina- con- yeah, incarnation this is. Because this show's gone through a lot of changes back in... Three, four, three years ago, it was me, Cody, and Whitney. Then it became me and Cody. Then it became me, Cody, and Blaine. Then it became me and Blaine. Now it's just me, and it's a whole different name. Knows, I, I leave the politics at the door. I'm sorry, but that's just not my vibe. I want this show to be fun and entertaining. And if that's your vibe, that's you. That's all you. But I got to give credit to the U.S. Women's National Team for doing big things and looking absolutely dominant. But... Tuesday, they've got one hell of a battle on their hands against England. Just a couple days before the 4th of July. It feels almost poetic for the U.S. Women's National Team to get it done on Tuesday, but I'm not necessarily certain that could be a thing because you got to realize England, they've been pretty damn good in these tournaments. Mind you, last time around, they wound up losing to Japan in the semifinals. and had to settle for the third-place game, but I think you wound up seeing... Phil Neville, who's the new guy running things, got hired back in 2018, formerly of Manchester United. He's looking to show why a third-ranked team in the entire world, why they're ranked that way, and try and take down U.S. and have them settle for a third-place game after winning it just a few years ago when it was in Vancouver, Canada. Now it's in Par- now it's in France, and the host team is officially out, which was weird. But honestly, it's a fun game. Two to one. Your final USA advances to the semifinals. Meanwhile, USA men's soccer quietly. You know, maybe it's just the fact that World Cup is greater than Gold Cup. Whenever it's strictly the United States you're playing, when it, you know, like American teams you're playing against, like the Team USA, Canada, you've got like the Caribbean teams, like Curacao, who they're going to be playing tomorrow. It was just a dominant performance in group play during the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Three shutouts capped off by a 1-0 win over Panama the other night. Definitely a good look for them. But now, things get a little bit more interesting. It's a quarterfinal matchup against Curaçao Sunday at 2 o'clock. On paper, let's say the Caribbean nation isn't necessarily the best team in the world. Going 1-1-1 during group play. But trust me. Aloy Room, he's going to be a guy you need to keep an eye on because he wound up having 13 saves last Friday against Honduras. He's definitely going to be a dominant, a determining factor for the ball game. Of course, goalkeepers usually are. But this guy has been looking like a brick wall, especially, once again, against Honduras. 
last Friday. Curacao going to wind up making things a little bit interesting. Can't wait to see that game. That's going to be tomorrow at 2 o'clock. So, hey, you got plenty of time between now and then to get all the soccer you want in your life. And, of course, you know we'll have some soccer again, more soccer than I like, and that is the Premier League. I believe that's going to be started up in about another month or so because, well, that's the way it works. We Once like these like tournaments in, then we can focus more on Premier League and then eventually football just takes over everything and I don't get time to watch it. That being said, sticking with them, uh, some stuff across the pond, Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, they're taking their talents over to foggy London town. Going to get things going and they can be in London, England. And I can't wait to see that. And, you know, the MLB is taking a page out of NFL's playbook. And to me, it's a lot more interesting and a lot more entertaining of an idea. And I'll tell you why. Because you got to think about it. You're taking America's pastime with you across the pond to try and establish a new fan base. I think this is a cool idea, largely because of the fact that you're taking two of the most iconic brands, the biggest rivalry in sports, with you. It's not like when you see the NFL where they put the crappiest teams, the Jaguars, the Lions, the Chargers, the New York football Giants, and Eli Manning's derp face. I'm sorry, that doesn't draw dimes. What does draw dimes is what's going on with the Red Sox and the New York Yankees, two of the best teams in the league, but also two of the best teams overall in the history of baseball and the most heated rivalry in the sport. And I'd say almost all of sports, everybody takes a side. When it comes to the Red Sox and New York Yankees, which side are you on? I'm also on the side that enjoys this. It just feels like MLB is doing the right thing while the NFL does the wrong thing and gives them crappy games. MLB is giving you really good baseball, and it's going to be funny. Obviously, you got former LSU Tiger DJ LeMahieu. He's looking really, really good, and that's a big reason why he got named to the All-Star team as a starter over a guy like Jose Altuve. Really surprised at that. But then again, the dude has just been absolutely raking as of late, so he definitely deserves. It. He was just getting it. He was getting it done at the right time because everybody was starting to put their votes in and, and do their democratic duty and vote for their favorite guy. But I just can't wait to see this matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun coming up later today. Will it be good baseball? I'm not necessarily sure because you're putting this inside the same stadium that I believe they use for the NFL, and that doesn't necessarily always work out the way you want it to. But I think it's going to be a fun series nonetheless, a fun little two-game set, a lot like what happened earlier in the year with the Astros making their way to Monterrey, Mexico. That was a really cool series, to say the least. It was just different, and I like different. But this might be a little bit too different because they're not prepared to have a situation where you've got actual baseball going on. Could it work? I think so. I think it would be a, it's going to be a fun series, maybe not necessarily like, the home run hitting series that you would expect because I believe it's like uh, the it's the shortest baseball park in the league. Mind you, this is a, almost a default back ballpark with I believe it's 382 feet. That's how far away you are from home plate to the, to the crowd. But the I'm trying to think of the word right now, but the barrier between that and the fans it's actually a little bit higher, so it's gonna feel more like you're hitting it. At for 402 if you want to hit the home runs. So hopefully they can get a lot of those, especially there's going to be some there's just some spots where I think many of the players are going to be trying to aim for, especially one dead center, I believe 100 feet above everybody else is going to try and hit that spot. It's like when you see 
the Miami Marlins giant monstrosity. Everybody wants to wind up hitting that. That's going to be fun to see what happens on that. And meanwhile, of course, it's NBA free agency time. And that's why, you know, everybody's talking about it. Sunday afternoon, 5 o'clock, I'm turning on my laptop because that's whenever the real fun begins. Because everybody's going to start negotiating. You're going to start seeing little woes bombs here and there. I give you my thoughts on some of those that have come up, kind of come out over the last 24 hours in just a little bit. A little professional tease there. But it's an interesting time to be a fan of the NBA right now because how many big names are out there? It's not like last year when it was just LeBron James. And once that happened, it was just a free-for-all. You're going to see what happened next. And lo and behold, I mean, the Pelicans wound up losing Boogie Cousins not long after that. But I think there's a lot more, like, huge franchise-changing names like a Kawhi Leonard, like a Kevin Durant, like a Kyrie Irving, like a Kimba Walker. A lot of K's involved in this one. But honestly, it's going to be a fun way to kind of look ahead to the NBA free agency and what's brewing over there. But, of course, there's a lot of things to talk about in the world of sports outside of NBA free agency. But I'll definitely spend some time on that in the next segment. In the meantime and in between time, we got a few guests on the program. And we'll start off with James Yasko, AstrosCounty.com, Lima Time Time at 1030, talking some Houston Astros. And then we got our guy, our hot dog expert, the man who eats like nobody's business, Adrian Morgan, 1115. To give us a little preview of his performance in the regionals and also, more importantly, what's going to be going down 4th of July, the hot dog eating contest. It is a tradition unlike any other. I want to have him on 11-15. And finally, we'll have some college football talk with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. It is finally time to kind of start diving in and digging in to some college football. Hopefully, you're ready for it just as much as I am. The Arco Equipment Hotline, it is Open 337 We'll be back with more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make the rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios, presented by Lafayette Roofing. And trust me, this is going to be a fun next couple of hours. And, you know, we're going to start things off, like I said, kind of get things going and talk a little bit about what's going on in the NBA with free agency, obviously, I want to know from you, who do you think is the first big shoe to drop? I'm talking about the first big free agent to sign on the dotted line. When do you think it's going to happen, and who do you think it's going to be with? 337 is that number to call if you want to hit us up about anything 
involved in the world of sports or whatever you want to do, 337-706-0111. That's how we, you come on and we'll chat you up about anything and everything. First off, obviously, the biggest name that's been bandied about the last 24 hours is Kawhi Leonard. His name has definitely been thrown around a lot more than I expected personally because a lot of reports coming out. And again, Adrian Wojnarowski is throwing out Woj bombs. It's it's more like grenades almost, not necessarily bombs, but they're still causing a lot of damage and shocking the system. And that is, without a doubt, what's going on with Kawhi Leonard and the Los Angeles Lakers. It's the biggest name, obviously, that has come out. And apparently, this is according to a report, that Magic Johnson wanted to be involved in the negotiations for, to get Leonard to join the franchise, saying that Leonard invited him. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, dude. You already kind of quit the Lakers. So why would you even, why would you be allowed to be involved? Thankfully, the NBA said, no, you can't, and stick to Twitter. But think about that. That's like saying, you know, Vince McMahon, oh, hey, pal, I want you to hang out with me and Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman while they spend time making the plans for WrestleMania. That's not going to happen. That's like me saying that Michael Thomas wants me with him during his contract negotiations because he's looking to get paid big with the New Orleans Saints and re-sign a pretty decent deal at least before training camp starts. All the reports are about it, but you know what? That's something that I think is worth talking about is, you know, it's just ridiculous that Magic Johnson wants to say that he's he was invited by Kawhi Leonard. I'm sorry, Kawhi Leonard may have invited you, but you should still be part of that franchise if you really cared about it that much. It's absolutely ridiculous and garbage what's going on with Kawhi Leonard and what excuse me, Magic Johnson and the Los Angeles Lakers. They should just completely banish him into the shadow realm because he I think he's now that LeBron James has got Anthony Davis, oh Magic Johnson, it was it was all me. I did that. No, you did not. You didn't do a damn thing. You've never done a damn thing outside of play basketball really well. After that was all said and done, you completely screwed everything up. You couldn't keep a late-night talk show going during the heyday of late-night talk shows. Arsenio Hall had a talk show longer than you. You could not. Chevy Chase, I think, had a longer TV show than he did. He failed miserably at that. He's failed miserably at business, and he failed miserably when it comes to the Los Angeles Lakers, he's made that franchise an absolute joke. And that's saying something when you've got a franchise like the New York Knicks with James Dolan as part of a band called JD and the Straight Shot, which is straight garbage. But it's ridiculous that we're talking about the Los Angeles Lakers being the Jamokes of the NBA. But now they want to be able to be the big dog because they're, they're the Lake Show. Showtime. They want to have everybody and everybody... I'm talking about every single damn person from Kawhi Leonard to Kyrie Irving to Kevin Durant. I think ideally, in a perfect world where there was no cap space, they'd be like, everybody, just come over here. We'll have a starting five and then make you the dream team and make the NBA completely worthless. That's what I think. And, of course, some reporters, and I'm using air quotes here because some of these guys just have not had their been on their A game. And they're saying that the Clippers are even in the mix. But I'm not buying that until Woj drops a bombshell. And, again, he's putting plenty of those in the drafts on the Twitter machine to make sure that whenever it goes down, he is on the ready. Speaking of Woj, you was talking about Kevin Durant's future last night. He's, it's going to be four teams and four teams only. And it's going to be the Warriors, obviously, Nets, Knicks, and Clippers. Keep in mind, all these are big media markets. It's kind of where Kevin Durant wants to go going forward. 
And I think he winds up probably going to New York, and it won't come right away because he's going to be kind of that last big shoe dropping because I feel like you wind up seeing either Kawhi Leonard or what happens with Kemba Walker because he's not necessarily a big, big name, but you know he's definitely a name that needs to be need to keep an eye on. Is the fact the Charlotte Hornets offered him $160 million over five years and the hot take machine that is Stephen A. Smith. He's reporting this. He has turned down the offer because it falls well below his projected supermax that he wants or his projected value in terms of a supermax being $221 million. Kevin Walker, I don't think you're worth $221 million, my friend. You're a hell of a player, but I'm not necessarily sold on you being a top guy in that sense, being that big of a draw. It just feels weird to say that. But, of course, the rumor innuendo has him headed to the Boston Celtics, and it feels like that could happen sooner rather than later. So because once Kyrie Irving's contract is run out, you can start having fun, and you can start making your moves. Because I feel like Kyrie Irving knows he was out of the door at the Celtics. They're not even going to try and pursue him to get him a re-sign because they know he won't. And that means you can put all your focus and all your chips on the table for a guy like Kevin Walker, and that can wind up working out quite well for them. Another guy, obviously Kyrie Irving, he's targeted again by the Lakers in free agency. And again, if you have Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, why even try? Why even try if you're an NBA team? Just say screw it, Lakers win, and the league can be boring as hell once again because it's going to feel a lot like the Golden State Warriors were a few years ago. If that happens, if you see Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, or, or LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and Kyrie Irving. If you have those four, I can't I can't tell you how much I'm going to care about the NBA this year because it's just going to be absolutely garbage to see what happens with those respective franchises in the not-too-distant future. But when it comes to the Pelicans, what do they do? Where do they go? And I think the best thing for the Pels when it comes to free agency is the fact they're not going to settle for some cheap contracts because they finally have started to get rid of those monster contracts, namely the Solomon Hill trade before the NBA draft, getting rid of that monster contract. You have $31 million in cap space. I say, you know, once we get past 4th of July weekend, that's when we start seeing the conversations turn towards what are they doing for ages because I don't think they'd wait day one. Is they going to wait this out and see who's out there? They're going to be, in the words of Chappelle show, waiting with zen-like patience. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's see what happens with the NBA and free agency, especially with the New Orleans Pelicans. Going to take a quick commercial break, and then it'll be time to kind of cross state lines and go over to Houston, Texas, talk with James Yasko of AstrosCounty.com and the Lima Time Time Podcast. We'll be talking about that next right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. You Manchester United supporters, sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Welcome.
Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And Yuli Gurriel making himself look like a boss yesterday with a walk-off home run to give the Astros the win in the 10th inning over a Seattle Mariners team that started off the season red hot, but not necessarily looking that way right now. But mind you, the Houston Astros not exactly looking that way either. And I got to talk about some of the woes they've been dealing with. We got to go over to the Ardco Equipment Hotline to talk with our guy James Yasko, AstrosCounty.com, and Lima Time Time. What is going on, my good brother? Hey, what's happening? Uh, not a whole lot. You know, it's a definitely a pretty decent day. The Astros won last night after it looked like they weren't going to win. After it was just it looked like it was going to be a one nothing win, one nothing loss, and then the Astros pulled it out late in the ball game. Josh Reddick and Yuli Gurriel coming up clutch. But I want to start off just looking at some of the issues that the Astros have had. What's been the bigger issue in your mind? Has it been the offense not necessarily like being able to hit on a consistent clip, or has it been the pitching pitching staff, namely the bullpen? It sort of depends on the night. It, it sort of the last couple of weeks have felt like you know if, if they can pitch, then they can't hit, and if they can hit, then they can't pitch. Uh, the biggest, I mean, the hitting, getting hits hasn't been the issue. It's it's being able to get. I mean, they've stranded so many people. Uh, I want to say it's uh, you know, over the last eleven games they've left eighty-eight men on base. Like, how is that even? How is that even possible? You know, in their last three games they've they've had twenty-two hits and like and four runs scored. I mean, that's that's really hard to do. So as far as the hitting is concerned, they're getting hits, just not winning. They're just getting singles and 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 they're not getting that big hit. That you know, they're not putting up the five-run inning or the six-run inning. They just can't. They can't. I don't know. And I don't know if they're pressing. I don't know what the issue is. Hitting's not the issue. It's just getting getting guys in. Talk right now with James Yasko, Lehman Time Time Podcast, and also AstrosCounty.com. You know, we're talking about the offense and how underwhelming maybe it's been in the past. It just feels like you look at last night's game, so many singles. It was just this team just doesn't – it hasn't been able to kind of get those extra base hits, which really kind of leads to getting ducks in the pond and run – and runs across the board. I think that would, would be the biggest thing is that I'm noticing a lot of singles, especially in these losses. It feels like they've got like eight, nine singles a game, but they're not producing any runs. Yeah, and, you know, they're, they're a very high-contact team. They don't uh, comparatively, I mean, they, they strike out a decent amount. But compared to the rest of the league, they're, they're a pretty low strikeout, high-contact team. And when you can't string together extra base hits, then you open yourself up into the, into the double play situations. And I think... You know, I think that's 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 shown itself a little bit more prominently this season. And you know, we can look at the injuries all day long, and I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, with the injuries they have had to deal with over the last month or so, how great was it to see them still be able to put up wins on the board whenever they had a lot of these injuries and their back was up against the proverbial wall? Because it felt like for a while this team was on the verge of trying of like having a bit of a dip while these guys were in. While these guys were out on the IL, but now that they're all back, it feels like maybe they're just, it's just the fact you're having to kind of have that period of adjustment before you get back to more consistent play. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, and I, I think that, that, you know, as, as well as the Astros performed while Altuve was on the injured list, you know, for instance, you know, they, they, they wanted a pretty good clip with guys like Miles Straw and Jack Mayfield. Uh, in the lineup, and now that they've now that they've gotten everyone back, you know, I think everyone sort of expected, okay, we'll just keep this running. But if you if you're away for six weeks, you know, and, and yeah, you're going to take some BT, but you're not you're not getting consistent at bats. You're not seeing consistent pitching. 
Uh, it's going to take a little while for you to find your swing. So, you know, guys like Springer are, and, and Altuve are going to hit. It's just going to take them a little bit to get their eye back into uh, back into game shape. Talking now with James Yasko, AstrosCounty.com, one of the co-hosts of the Lima Time Time podcast. And, you know, we can talk about it all day long, and I feel like just bringing it up, just get it out there. Your Don Alvarez may have had the har- the hottest start as a Astros rookie that I can remember. Is Does anybody, like, really ring a mind to you? I know you're a big historian when it comes to the Houston Astros and also MLB in general, but have you ever seen, like, a rookie for the Astros start the way that he did? No, uh, absolutely not. And, you know, you, you, Bregman comes to mind. You know, he as, as you know, Bregman is one of the cornerstones of, of the franchise. Uh, and he started off what, like two for thirty-four, something like yeah. that, in his in his first uh, his first few games. So to see what, what Alvarez is doing isn't just you know historic from a franchise point of view. It's it's historic from from a major league baseball history uh, point of view. There's only three or four guys that have hit seven home runs in their first you know what eleven games uh, starting their career. So and his swing is so easy, uh, and and he's got so much power that they're not fluke home runs. You know it's it's he's not hitting these. You know, just sort of these line drives to the Crawford boxes. Uh, he he's putting the barrel on the ball, and it, it just it's such a sweet swing, and it's so much fun to watch. And you know, James, the same with Jordan Alvarez. He wound up suffering a a left knee discomfort. I, I don't know why I added a in there, but left knee discomfort. He's day to day. When do you think we could wind up seeing him back? Will it be for this series, or will they wait till till Tuesday to bring him back in that lineup? I mean, I think they have a, you know, for, for as much as they've struggled over the last two weeks, they still, you know, the Astros still have a four and a half game lead. Um, you know, it, it, I think if he, if he feels okay, then they're going to go ahead and put him in because they want to build up some momentum going into the all-star break. Uh, but they're not going to run the risk of, of bringing him back too quickly to win a series against the, the Mariners, you know, a week before the all-star break. So I think it's, it's sort of up to him. Uh, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna take a look at him and, you know, he, he said he's feeling a little bit better, got some treatment on it yesterday. Um, he might not play tonight, but I, I don't, I don't know. They're, the Astros are so weird. You know, they're, they're like, ah, you know, he's kind of banged up a little bit. And then, you know, then we have a moment of silence, you know, to remember the dearly departed. So who knows? But, you know, they're not gonna rush him back. They're, they're, they're gonna take a long-term view with Alvarez. Talk right now with James Yasko, AstrosCounter.com, Lima Time Time Podcast. And, you know, we're talking, you brought the All Star break, perfect segue into it. Looking at what happened with the All Star voting, you have three Houston Astros and Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley, and of course, I mean, George Springer. It seems just all too obvious. But no Jose Altuve amongst the starters. Were you surprised by that? Not really. Uh, he missed so much of the, of the first half of the season. Um, and, you know, he, he hasn't hit like, like Jose Altuve in a you know in a couple of months. So um, while you sort of expect those name recognition guys to to just get some default votes, um, you know I'm certainly okay with. I, I, he might get named as a reserve. I don't know, but but I'm perfectly fine with Altuve enjoying a three or four day break uh, at home over the over the break and then coming back strong. Yeah, we know him. Um, Carlos Correa. He'll be enjoying time off a little bit more after whatever the hell happened with him and the the quote unquote masseuse. Yeah, no, that's so that 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 is up there as one of the dumbest injuries <laughs> uh, in in franchise history, and it it just sort of when Correa's had excuse me these fluky injuries all throughout his career, 
God, I'm sorry. Um, sorry, man. And when uh, if you have when you have that many fluke injuries in a you know to in your career, it, it kind of stops being fluky and it starts being something that you just plan on. Oh, I wonder. It, it, you sort of have a a roulette wheel of how is Correa going to miss 30 games this year. My goodness, I hadn't thought about it that way. But you know, we're talking. Like, we just think about those injuries, especially with Carlos Correa. It just feels like one after the other. He's just not necessarily being able to get on the come up. But just looking, we're getting closer to the trade deadline. Any particular targets you think the Astros are going to be leaning towards? I mean, you look at the rotation. You've got to figure that they're going to go after pitching. Uh, it's not looking like the smartest move to let you know Keuchel and Morton leave, and, and knowing that McCullers was going to need Tommy John surgery. Um, it started off okay, uh, and then and then it sort of, you know, they, they they sort of got exposed uh, over the over the last month or so with the with the lack of depth. So I think pitching is going to be the main the main target. I don't, you know, Corbin Martin is is hurt. Uh, JB Bukowskis is is having an okay ish year at Corpus. Forrest Whitley's hurt. You know, all this depth that they had built up. You know, that that injury bug has has sort of extended to the minors. So. Uh, they're sort of in a, in a corner here where, the, where they need to address the rotation. They're about to get Joe Smith back uh, for the bullpen. So I think the bullpen's okay, but that rotation needs uh, needs some shoring up if they're going to make some noise in October. A couple more questions here with James Yasko, Astros County Lima Time Time Podcast. You need to check that thing out. It is just phenomenal yeah. stuff. Probably, the I'd say, the, undisputedly, the best Astros podcast in the entire world, and I've listened to a lot of them. That one, This one's top dog. But, James, you know, we can talk about it all day looking at this lineup. How crucial is it to have George Springer back at the top of the lineup consistently after that, after coming back from the IL? Because it felt like for a while he was that offensive spark and the best player nobody was talking about. Absolutely. You know, I mean, when you start when you can start off a game or start off the bottom half of the inning up one nothing after three pitches, you know, that, that sort of sets the table for the rest of the lineup. And even if he doesn't hit up, Get a home run to lead off the game. If he can get on base, you know, again with the high contact uh, guys that, that they have, that all the protection that he has in the lineup, you're going to score some runs. So, you know, the the Astros caught a lot of flack back when they when they first put Springer in at the leadoff spot because he hits more like a number three or number four hitter. Uh, but it's it turned out to be a really good move, and and they they should deserve credit for that. And James, one more before I let you go, a little bit more lighter side because this is the way I like to do things on the way out is last night it was throwback night. You had the Astros and the Mariners both wearing the throwback jerseys, but more specifically on the Astros, should they be bringing back those throwback jerseys on a more consistent basis? Yeah, they have so many jerseys that they can choose from. that, And, and, they're, and it's, not like, it's not like they're terrible old jerseys. You know, they've got so many yeah. just solid, solid unis that they can choose from that it would be a real shame – to only try those, they looked good last night. I mean, those were those were sharp. So, bring those back once a homestand, or you know, every Friday night is throwback night, or something like that. You know, do something to, yeah. to kind of switch it up. And you know, on that note, how about like I want to know what your favorite Astros jersey of all time is, like because I'm interested in this. The okay, the the sort of mid '60s, the the shooting star, like the the Astros, where it's. I, I don't know the term for it, but where it kind of curves up over over the chest, uh, those I don't know why, but those are my those are my favorite ones. And those brick red and pinstripe jerseys can die in a fire. I don't care. <laughs> I love it, James. Thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Hey, sounds good. Thanks. Have a good weekend.
All right, that was James Yasko, AstrosCounty.com, Lehman Time Time. You can follow him on Twitter, at Astros County. The man knows what he's talking about, and we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break on that note. But we're going to keep it more towards the baseball perspective. Because guess what? We're rounding the bases. we got a lot of great things going on in the world of baseball. Now the college baseball season's over. We're sticking strictly MLB. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And more importantly, you're listening to Under the Dome with CD. The numbers don't lie. Because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. He's fat! On Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with the CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com, live from the 237 Roof Studios. As always, hey, who doesn't love the 237 Roof Studios? And trust me, we got a lot of great stuff on tap for you for hour number two. But I'd like to end hour number one the way we do each and every Saturday Saturday morning, I should say, afternoon, not just yet. But give you an idea of what's going on around the world of baseball, major league, college, high school, whatever it is. And let's go ahead and do a little rounding of the bases. The grind of baseball season is a long one. And the famous CD isn't afraid of rounding the bases on a Saturday morning. Time to play ball and touch them all right here on 1037 The Game. Of course, the thing everybody's talking about is what's going on with the Red Sox and the New York Yankees will start off there. The series in London talked about it earlier, so why not have it have a little perspective from the Yankees and the Red Sox? And Alex Cora talked about the fact the state the question if baseball is late to London. It's never too late. That's the way I see it. The the opportunity came up and, and we jump on it and uh, it should be a, a fun weekend and. Uh, if this is the beginning of something big that you know MLB and and and, and London can get together and, and keep doing it, it'll be great. And it, I think it's going to be interesting to see like what the reception is over these next two games. Again, you brought the two biggest brands in baseball together. It's a pretty smart idea, if I do say so myself. That it's probably going to work out quite well. Looking at the other side of things, the Yankees. Aaron Boone talked about putting on the show for the people in foggy London town. Obviously, a lot of foul territory, but looking forward to, you know, hopefully going out and playing well and, you know, giving London a, a look at Major League Baseball and, and two of obviously these historic franchises going at it, a great rivalry, but looking forward to hopefully going out and putting our best foot forward and, and getting a W is, is the biggest thing for us. One last thing from the Yankees, and that is Aaron Judge talking about being jealous of the NBA and the NFL. I've watched you know a lot of football games and, and a couple of basketball games out here, and you know I've, I've been a little jealous. You know I've been waiting for them all be to get an opportunity to go do this, and I know this whole London series has been a work in progress for a couple of years now, and just you know I'm just excited and blessed that you know Yankees and Red Sox get to participate in that. You know one of the biggest rivalries in sports, and just blessed to be a part of this opportunity. It's something I'll never forget. Of course, he talks about it ad nauseum. Astros beat the Mariners two one last night. They do a walk off home run from Yuli Gurriel. 
But I think the more cool thing is Austin Nola, former LSU Tiger, got things done and wound up giving the Mariners a one nothing lead that they held on to till late in the ball game after a Josh I think it was a Josh Reddick home run, then Yuli Gurriel's walk off solo shot in the tenth. Got it done. Astros snap a little bit of a losing streak. But honestly, they've still got a lot of work to do to try and build and build a lead heading into the All-Star break in just a couple of weeks. Meanwhile, the Braves and the Mets played yesterday. And, another, and really, all I have to say is the Mets still suck. No place to put him. First pitch is socked to left. Over the head of Dominic Smith racing wide open. Can't get there. Hits at the base of the fence and dies right there. Freeman is in. Barcakis will score. Here comes Riley. It's a three-run double for Johan Camargo, who is having a huge road trip for the Braves. It's 6-2 to two Atlanta. I mean, the Mets have just been having a bad run. I think a lot of it has to do with Edwin Diaz. That trade may have been the worst trade in franchise history. That's saying something. The Mets are the law cow of the Major League Baseball world, and they are really showing their backside a little bit as of late. We pop off for those for those people, but of course, things could be worse for the New York Mets. Could be the Tampa Bay Rays. We don't know if they want to be in Tampa Bay or Montreal, if they want to be dual citizenship type people. But trust me, we've got a lot to get to when it comes to them. The Rangers dominated the Rays 5 nothing, and Matt Olson, or excuse me, Ronald Guzman was a big highlight. Pitch to Guzman, and a line shot to right. That's a base hit, and that'll score two. It's rolling all the way to the wall. Guzman is digging for second. The throw by Meadows is late. Ronald Guzman claps his hands at second base. He's doubled home two and made it three to nothing, Texas. Oh, it's just great to hear the Rays lose, but the Rangers win. Eh, whatever. But of course, looking over last little AL West look, I think we got to talk about the Angels and the Oakland A's. It was a pretty interesting ball game late last night. Of course, a little West Coast connection, and the A's got the seven to two win. Over the Los Angeles Angels, thanks to this three-run home run from Matt Olson. There's the guy I was trying to reference. Runners go, 3-2 pitch, swung on, drill, deep right, way back, and Matt Olson has got a two-homer night. A blast well back in the seats, and this is a three-run shot. It's a five-RBI night for Matt Olson, and we're in the third inning. It's all Olson, and it's all athletics, and they lead it 5 nothing. All Olsen, all the time. The dude has got the juice, so hopefully he can keep that rolling. But trust me, they're making it interesting as we get into the month of July in the AL West with the Astros holding a four-and-a-half game lead heading into today's action over the Texas Rangers. The Oakland A's currently seven games back. The Angels are nine back. Meanwhile, the Mariners are, like, all the way in the back stretch, just 15-and-a-half. They are just getting their tail ends handed to them. Look at some other notable kind of division races. The battle between the Twins and the Indians getting a little tighter. Eight games back are the the Indians at this point. And then you've got, obviously, the Braves looking really good. But the Phils are making a push heading into July. Five and a half games back. I have to say, the NL Central, just, it feels like a game of hot potato. Or should I say, you know, the SmackDown women's title. Because it feels like every other week it exchanges leads. Because you've got the Cubs. And the Brewers, they're, the Brewers are one game back of the Chicago Cubs. It just keeps going back and forth, back and forth. Meanwhile, the NL West, that looks to be firmly 
in control of the Doyers. 12 games up on the Colorado Rockies. Just amazing to see what's going on with them. And, of course, you know we can talk about it all day long. It's just ridiculous to see how like tight these races are heading into July because it felt like for a minute things were just going to be relatively easy and ho- hopefully the Astros can start getting it together once again. I think the biggest thing is you need to have Jordan Alvarez back in that lineup as soon as possible because the dude is just an absolute monster and hits for consistency and also hits for power. He's definitely a big dog in that sense. Going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, hour number two will be underway. And trust me, you're going to want to hear what I have to say about a lot of different things, including a little Cajuns, AAC talk, and a whole lot more. Hour number two is going to be a lot more fun. 11.15, Adrian Morgan talking some hot dog eating. 11.30, talking with our guy, Steve Lassen, a little college football. We're getting closer to that time, so might as well start kind of getting things going from that aspect. And a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome, everyone, to the most listened to Saturday morning sports talk show in all of Acadiana. Under the Dome with a CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And if you want to get in on the conversation, the Art Co. Equipment Hotline, it is wide open for this segment. 337-706-0111. Let me talk to you about a lot of different things, and including, I think, the fact that we've got something to talk about involving the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and potential moving. I don't think it will happen. But I'll get to my thoughts on that in just a little bit. And, of course, everybody in the mama, especially on these what I've called cesspools that you call message boards, you know you know exactly which ones I'm talking about. They like, like, the, like the tiger droppings of the world. Maybe not them, but you know you know which one I'm talking about with the, that cesspool called a forum or a message board, whatever you want to call it. They get most... I'll say this. As somebody who used to look at forums pretty consistently... For a lot of different things, trust me, forums nowadays are a lot more toxic and a lot more cesspooled. Back then, it was just, it was a lot of fun conversation. Now it's just, oh man, it's just the hot takes are bountiful in these places. It's not just limited to one in particular or tiger droppings or what have you. It's it's all over the place. If you want to look it up any forum, there's going to be some vitriol and hate. And it's just not, not as fun anymore as it used to be back in the day. But, of course, with UConn moving out of the AAC, that became official yesterday, moving to the and now they're going to move back to the Big East. What happens next? Do, they, do the Cajuns 
go to the AAC? Could they move to the AAC? And all of Acadiana is pretty much in agreement with me. It's a no. It's going to be a no for me, dog. I'm sorry to the Cajuns fans who think, oh, hey, we're going to wind up doing it. Guess what? I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, largely because it's a little tough. It's a little tough to swallow for me. I feel like they could wind up doing it, but it's way, 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 way further down the line. Would I love to see that happen? Of course, because if you've listened to me long enough, you know that I think the bottom's going to fall out of the group of five schools sooner. Just say just the group of five in general sooner rather than later. So I'd like to kind of put my anchor down with a winning with a winner of a conference like the AAC. I think that's the first step because you need to be able to do that. But, you know, everybody's talking about it. But I feel like you do that, it's more of a double jump as opposed to, you know, you're playing check. You're playing checkers, you know, you when you do the double jump. I feel like this is ridiculous because you should be doing just one jump and go from Q, go from the Sun Belt to CUSA to the AAC. I think that would be the ideal one, two, three, and you move, and you can do it just fine, and it's simple as that. You don't have to do the double jump right away because it feels feels too soon. Because, yes, you've got a lot of things in place, but, of course, you know, you've got the shrine that is Russo Park, and it is absolutely phenomenal, probably one of the best like baseball parks I've seen in terms of college, obviously Alec Box Stadium is a lot is phenomenal, but Cage, but the new team, the Russo Park, it is a like shrine to the excellence that Tony Robo Show has had over the years. Hopefully, he, again, thoughts and prayers go out to him on this Saturday morning. Yesterday, news came out that he is kind of moving his recovery process to New Orleans and visiting the Oshner Health Center in New Orleans to initiate the advancement of his recovery. So Boston Paris go out to him. Such a great man, both on and off the field, and I've talked to him several times over the years. Nothing but respect for head coach Tony Robichaud. But again, I'm not sold on it, and I feel like just making that one jump to Conference USA when they're ready is a great thing. He's Obviously, you got the team done. You've got Lampson Park. Some renovations have been done over there. That's probably one of the top dogs in college softball parks, I would have to say. And then you've got the renovations of the Cajun Dome. All that's done. All that, for the most part, it's taken care of. That looks really, really good. Cajun Field is the next one that needs to be taken care of. Because, honestly, I think we can all agree, it still looks exactly the same as it did 15 years ago. Press box, the, the the amenities, like it just looks very similar. Sure, there's been some some changes, but for the most part, it still retained a lot of similarities to what I've seen in the past. Because I grew up going to so many Cajuns games back in the day, well before all the stuff happened. Nineteen, I remember being there, nineteen ninety six, with the Cajuns Texas A and M game and pandemonium ensuing. I can remember that, and I'll be able to take that with me to this day, to say that I was there when that happened. Do I think, you know, the Cajuns, Cajun field needs a renovation? Oh, I think it needs a renovation, and it will be happening soon. And I think the way they're doing it, it is thinking about it with a 
2030, 2040 vision in mind, the way they're thinking about it, because they want to have what we're seeing. And this is something Ben talked about because last week and he was out and in St. Louis, Missouri, and wound up catching a Cardinals game. I wish, I'm sure he wished he was there last week or yesterday because well, they actually wound up having the St. Louis Blues over at Bush Stadium last night, I believe. So, yeah, he wound up missing that out, out on that opportunity is what it is. But we talked about it. They've got a little area before the game that you can enjoy pregame festivities. You can do that not just when they're at home, but when they're on the road. I think that helps out a lot. And, you know, the way they're doing things now with the, like, reduced concession stands, that is awesome. Trust me. As a person who loves, like, stadium food, and I don't necessarily eat as much of it now because I'm in a press box and I get to eat some really good stuff, I can tell you right now I would love to chow down on some of that stuff before the game, before I kind of get started with my with my pregame stuff and taking care of pregame news and notes and all, all, all that stuff. Because it is, simply put, amazing. I can tell you right now, I am absolutely loving what's going on with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and what what's going on with them as we progress into the 2020 season and going forward. That's what they need to do. That's the biggest thing they need to take care of is to renovate the football stadium and the rest will follow. I can tell you right now, that's going to be the next big thing that happens for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. But when it comes to an AAC team, I feel like an AAC team that they would invite or another team they would invite from be it Sunbelt Conference or Conference USA, there's two ways I'm going with this. So there's two schools of thought in my mind. I think a program like Com- like a Conference USA, like a Southern Miss, could slide to that spot. Why do I say that? Well, it's simple. They're big programs, football and baseball. Football's definitely been a pretty decent program in the past and the, and the present. You look back in there, you had Brett Favre playing there, Favre. And they've looked good. They wound up having a tendency to perform at a high level. I mean, they beat the Cajuns a couple years ago in the New Orleans Bowl. Mind you, that was a less than ideal Cajuns team. He you know, had a lot of he had a lot of banged up players. Let me just go that way. And they're frequently good programs. Baseball's not half bad. Basketball, eh. You know, but of course, football and baseball all are are their two big dogs. And Cusa and AAC loves them some football. Basketball, it's it's getting there. It's on the come up. Hopefully Tulane can kind of get it together and make this thing a lot more interesting. Because it felt like for the last couple of years, it's been Houston and everybody else is just trying to keep up. I think that's something you need to keep an eye on. But another team that I feel like could be in there, it's got to be without a doubt, Western Kentucky. Why am I bringing up Western Kentucky? Because they're kind of a middle ground in the AAC. Because you look at the way things are set up in terms of travel, because you're going pretty much all over the place. It is ridiculous to see how much ground you have to cover as a member of the American Athletic Conference. It's not just like the way the Sun Belt is, where it stretches out from, you know, like San Marcos, Texas, Arlington, Texas, in the case of basketball and baseball, all the way to, you know, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania. It's it's hard it's hard times whenever you look at that aspect. You're pretty much having to travel almost across the country to go play a team. Kentucky, Western Kentucky more specifically, the Hilltoppers, I feel like they could fit in really well in the AAC, largely because of the fact that, you know, it's a it's a very established name. They used to play in the Sun Belt. They've moved their way up to the CUSA. And like I said, I'd have to look at their facilities. But I definitely think 
having that there. That would be absolutely huge to see a team like Western Kentucky or Southern Miss in that spot because the Cajuns aren't quite ready just yet. And it's always going to be like that because there's always things that need to be taken care of first. And the Cajuns, they're taking huge steps. They've taken huge strides over the last, like, five, six years since I've been at the station a little bit before that because they started talking about these plans, this master plan that they were putting together to build this phenomenal practice facility to help build all these programs up. The renovations to Cajun Field, adding those bleacher seats, which honestly, eh, I, I could care less if they were there, honestly. You know, because look back, I can look back to when I was in high school and I saw, I mean, the that both those hills had made Cajun Field look different. I look back to college and high school years and say that was probably the best-looking thing that the Cajuns had was the two hills. It made you, it separated you from a typical stadium. I liked that idea. It was just more of a general admission. You'd probably be able to fill a lot more butts and seats and make it look a lot more interesting. And that's what it looked like for a while, especially in the early 2000s when you had the Ricky Bustle era, which wasn't great, but it was still better than what the previous regime had done. And you saw more fan interest in it when Bustle was there. And then Hudsmith kind of took over and made that place a lot more rocking. I can remember several years being with that student section. And that student section was packed. And I feel like that's another thing that I, that I love what they're doing now. They're taking the students and putting them back closer to the stadium. People complained for a long-ass time about how thin the crowds were, especially in the student section. They have been crying and complaining about that for a long time. Now we can no longer complain about it. There's no excuses. These fans, these students, they like to imbibe a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I've seen it many a time from my perspective and several different POVs. So, hey, you know, just let me know what you think about it. Could the Cajuns go to the American Athletic Conference? 337 706 337 706 Zero one one one. Other things going on right now. The Manning, the Manning Passing Academy is going on right now, and of course you got Peyton, you got Eli. Everybody's over there having a good time. And you, I just thought this was interesting. Hearing from, obviously, Eli Manning. He talks about Daniel Jones and kind of what's going on with him and the, and the training. I, I just find this interesting. It's been good. You know, Daniel's a good kid. You know, he's a, a former camper. I've known him for for a while, and. Uh, you know he's done a good job. He's you know just getting getting his getting his nose in the book and studying and trying to learn and trying to kind of earn the respect of, of his teammates. And he's done a good job of doing that. So you know it's my job to you know do my you know to do my job as best I can, but to be a good teammate. To, you know I've always been great in the quarterback room, helping everybody out, and uh, no different this year, Daniel. I can't wait to see what the, happens this year for the New York Giants, largely because you don't know what could happen. It feels like it's just a box of chocolates. You don't know which way. Things are going to go for them. Will Will Eli Manning be able to hold that position and make sure your boy Daniel Jones, the Duke quarterback, is ready for his moment when that moment happens? Or will it be, you know, like what we saw, I believe it was a couple years ago, when our Eli Manning was benched for some reason? Will we see that again? I don't know, but it's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens down the road 
But, of course, Joe Burrow was also there, and everybody swarmed towards him. So let's get some thoughts from Joe Burrow on Joe Brady. Brought in a lot of good stuff um, to add to what we had last year. Uh, Coach E has done a great job of, of listening to not only Coach Joe's opinion, but my opinion as well. Uh, Coach E has the final say, and um, but he's doing a great job of, of listening to input and actually implementing it. Just some amazing stuff right there from Joe Burrow, Eli Manning. We'll have a lot more probably run through on Monday's program here on 103.17 with RP3 and company because Raymond got all this stuff. I have to give him a lot of credit. The dude works his tail end off and it really shows when you just see the content that is flowing through the interwebs. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 Game and 1037Game.com. Up next, we'll go in way different because I like the show to be very different. And why not talk some 4th of July and hot dogs with Adrian Morgan next. Every time CD takes the mic, is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now, let's get back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. We're right here inside the 237 Roof Studios. And ladies and gentlemen, let's get things going. And I can't necessarily introduce him quite like everybody's favorite hype man in at Coney Island, New York on 4th of July. But hey, he's our guy. He's a hot dog eating connoisseur, a hot dog eating contest contestant at this year's 4th of July event going on at Coney Island. Can't wait to see what's going to happen this year. But we go to the Arco Equipment Hotline right now to talk with Adrian Morgan. What's going on, my man? How you doing, sir? I am doing fantastic. You know, we got to start things off. You know, we, we've seen you do this for many, many years. But whenever you're kind of just waiting for your chance to walk down the proverbial aisle and you just hear, I was talking about the Coney Island hype, man. When you say the moment, like, before, the moments before your name is getting called up, what is that like? Uh, it's a little, it's a little nerve-wracking. Um, I was never one to be uh, like a, a crowd pleaser or all the attention on me. Um, but I just try to do my, do my little thing. Maybe, maybe uh, give somebody a shout out through like a secret hand sign or something, and uh, you know, just try to have fun with it. I love it, man, because it's just gonna be. It's always just a lot of fun to watch this on on Fourth of July, whatever day of the week it is, and it's just. It, Hot dog eating takes center stage whenever you just look at the way things are with Major League Eating. And I think one of the more interesting things, mind you, in Louisiana, that's not going to happen anytime soon when it comes to sports betting. And, you know, I was reading something about that earlier. What's the likelihood of us eventually being able to bet on the hot dog eating contest? I know that uh, I know that they do put a few lines out there, I think, for Joey to win. They usually put the uh, over-under on the winning male and female total. Um, and I think you can do it online in a couple of places, but I think uh, it was yesterday it broke that they're not even allowing people to vote on New Jersey. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I would hope one day uh, that it would come to that. Um, but, you know, we'll have to go what we got. 
Exactly. Talk right now with competitive eater Adrian Morgan, the man that knows what he's doing when it comes to eating a lot of hot dogs in quick fashion. You know, looking back at the regional, whenever you qualified for the contest, what was the, what was the number you wound up hitting over there? I ended up being uh, 26 this year. Um, it was a little bit uh lackluster year for me for qualifying. But you were still able to qualify, you know, looking at the rest of the field. Was it just like you took it relatively easy once you saw kind of people were people were gassed early on? Oh yeah, it was a it was a hot day. We were uh we did a theme park so it was there was steaming everywhere. Um so you know, I probably didn't have it my best that day and um you know, I just, I got by with the win and I guess there was nobody really pushing me. Um so you know, it was it was a it was a, a easier day. It was a relatively easier day for the man Adrian Morgan on the Arco Equipment Hotline right now. And, you know, obviously hot dog eating contests, that's what everybody keeps an eye on around the country. But when it comes to other major eating competitions, what have you been dominating in lately? Uh, so I did. I've actually taken it kind of kind of slow this year. Me and my wife just had a baby. Congrats, man. Um, so I took, it, I took it a little slow this uh, spring. But I did. Uh, I did go over to uh, Pensacola and win the uh, Rouse's crawfish eating uh, contest. That was in uh, May. I'm about to say it, it feels it feels appropriate to have somebody from Louisiana actually win the crawfish eating contest. Feels all too appropriate. But again, congrats on congrats. How old's the kid? Thanks, sir. Yeah, uh, I can't. I can't go to another state and then someone upstage me and crawfish <laughs> just doesn't not feel right. I can't. I can't let somebody beat me at, at my own game. So yeah, I had to go show him how it was done. But how 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 old is the kid, Adrian? Uh, he's five months old. Is, is he going to be out there on Thursday or, or no? I wish uh, my wife won't let me bring him, and um, I think she thinks it's too short of a trip to go. <laughs> yeah. but uh, maybe, maybe next year I can bring him out there. And that'd be awesome to have your kid out there enjoying. His dad just out there trying to compete with the best. Of course, Joey Chestnut just, it feels like he's on a different level. And, you know, obviously here in Louisiana, everybody wants to compare LSU to Alabama. Who could be that, who's that LSU compared to, like, Joey Chestnut being the Alabama in your mind? Oh, uh, this year it's probably going to be Jeff Esper, uh, Matt Stoney, um, I just don't see it, it happening this year. Uh, last year, uh, Carmen Sincati got within 10 of him, but um, Carmen Carmen actually already retired, early retirement for Carmen. So uh, Joey's going to – I think Joey's going to – it's going to be kind of breezy this year. Hey, you know, you brought, you brought it perfectly, one of, the, one of the competitive eaters' early retirement. And for you in particular, I know you just, you just had a kid and relatively young – more importantly, you know, now that you've got the kid there, like how much longer – we talked about it last year, but I feel like now more than ever we can talk about it a lot is how much longer do you think you can, keep, you can keep this going? I mean, my plan is to do it as long as my wife left me, to be honest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, every year is kind of a new set of circumstances. Uh, I, I train as much as I can, do as well as I can, and uh, I'm just going to keep going until either, you know, some gives out or, or she, she tells, it, tells me to stop. I think that I think she'll tell you to stop before too long. Like I said, with with the young one, I, I can about imagine might be might be nearing that time. <laughs> yeah, probably so, Adrian. So, but yeah, I'll do it as long as I can. Adrian, thank you so much for coming on, man. Man, we'll talk to you down the road. And trust me, all of the Cadiana and the state of Louisiana is rooting for you. Well, I really appreciate that. Go Tigers.
Go Tigers. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Adrian Morgan, everybody. Uh, yeah, I so say you can follow him on Twitter at AMO723. It's a private account, maybe, just maybe. He will follow you. We're going to take a quick commercial break, come back with a whole lot more. And trust me, when I say a whole lot, I mean we got Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, coming on in just a few minutes. And if you love college football, this guy, we're going to be going back and forth. This will be the first of what I hope and I'm almost certain will become many, many times. We'll be talking closer to college football season, and more importantly, once we get to college football season, I cannot wait. Back with more after this on 103.7 The Game. You're listening to Under the Dome. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the end. But Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? He's going to let Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com. And we are that much closer to the college football season beginning. And, of course, to talk about that and a whole lot more, we got to get on our guy, Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, our good brother, finally back on the program. What is going on, man? Hey, Clint. It's great to talk to you. It's good to be back on the show you know, we're about less than two months away from kickoff, so slowly but surely we are making it through the off season. And, hey, media days are just around the corner, so uh, things are going to start to pick up for, for us college football fans. Oh, trust me, college football fans are going to be looking forward to it. I'm already looking forward to it. Like you said, a few weeks away, SEC media days, Sunbelt media days. Before we know it, we'll actually get to college football talk. But I want to start off looking at one of the biggest headlines this week, is about UConn leaving the AAC, bouncing out of there, and returning to the Big East. I don't want to get your opinion on this. Is this more about basketball than anything else? Is this just trying to make this UConn basketball program the main fixture because they realize like nobody's going to see UConn in mid-November when it's freezing cold? It really is about basketball, and this is something that the fan base at UConn has been been uh, you know kind of pushing for the last couple of seasons. They really never seem to embrace the American Athletic Conference, and you know it's kind of hard when you have a conference where you know you don't have a lot of ties as far as tradition and geography to, to keep everyone connected. But I think in this case, you see UConn that since they've been to the Fiesta Bowl under Randy Edsel in the BCS era, they have really struggled to maintain consistent success. And I think their basketball program is the flagship program of the of the school. Um, you know, it's kind of odd to see a, a school make a move to benefit the basketball program because usually in realignment it's all about football. But in this case, it is about basketball for UConn, and that's why they're moving back to the Big East. And you just think about it, the Big East is the place where college basketball, whenever they were in the Big East, college basketball was at its peak in there. I mean, the, the conf- that's a basketball conference 
And when you look at UConn, it's a basketball school. But look at the AAC now that they have one member gone. I think everybody here in the Acadian area is talking about the Cajuns potentially wanting to move over there. But I want to get your thoughts more on do they even consider, like, in the next, let's say, three years of adding another member to the conference or and or should they stay exactly where they're at right now? Because they're looking pretty good right now with or without UConn. You know, selfishly, I have to admit, I hope they add a team because it's a lot easier for, for those of us who make predictions every year to do predictions in batches of six as opposed to batches of 11. So I'll just be purely selfish for a second. I do think patience will be key for the AAC. I don't think they are going to be pressed into making a decision right away to, to have anyone join the league. So I think in the short term, they will probably do their homework but I don't see anyone jumping into the league right away. I think maybe four or five years down the road, they may look at adding a 12th member. I think the question is going to be, who brings enough value to the conference to be that 12th team? Um, Certainly some interesting options. I don't think Army will give up independence to join the AAC. We've seen Army in a conference You know, when they were in Conference USA, things did not go well. They've got a good thing going now as an independent. Don't see BYU. So I think you're talking about some of those G5 teams like Old Dominion, UAB, uh, the ones that have been thrown out there already. That's the pool they're going to be picking from. And I think that's why you'll see in the short term they'll probably stay at 11. But I think in the long term, five, ten years down the road, I do think they will go back to 12. And then, of course, another big headline that's kind of popped up in the last week concerning the just NCAA at large is threatening is the NCAA threatening California after kind of they wanted to have a law talking about the name, image, or likeness stuff, so where where student athletes could be compensated for their use and be it publicity photos, actual video games. Please bring that back, by the way, EA, NCAA College Football. Bring that back, please. That's just me having to kind of get that out there. But, of course, California wound up winning this little battle. But do you think we could wind up seeing the name, image, and likeness kind of start becoming more of a driving force for the NCAA to where now these players are going to get compensated? And more importantly, we get back NCAA College Football on our video games, please. Thank you. I sure hope so, man. I miss NCAA football. There was nothing better uh, when I was, you know, playing NCAA football to play the dynasty and set it to simulate and the next morning wake up and start recruiting my next year. So I miss it. Please bring it back. I do think that in the long term, the NCAA has to do something about the name and likeness because California is sort of pushing the envelope here. And I think you're seeing kind of a a slow kind of change in the way the NCAA views this. You know, you're starting to see the momentum suggest that uh, in the next five years that they started looking at this from a committee standpoint, there will be changes. You know, is it going to be the the way they can pay for college players to be in ads and video games? That seems like the most sensible uh, step for the NCAA to take. You know, there's kind of the – the long-term approach, which is, you know, do our players, should, should they be paid, the ability to make money off your likeness and name seems kind of the fall in that middle ground. And I think from a public perception standpoint, the NCA is going to lose that battle. So I think California jumping in on this and, you, and with the NCAA starting a committee to look at this issue, I think you'll see some changes in the short term. Um, 
selfishly, hopefully it doesn't take too long because, uh, you know, NCAA 2019 would be pretty good to be playing right now. It really would be. Thankfully, there are a bunch of people who have way more time on their hands than you or I that actually create updated rosters. I believe that's going to be coming out before too long. Mind you, they might use Athlon Sports a little preview as a reference tool when it comes to some of these smaller schools and their rosters. Hey, no complaints here. My, I, I've seen a couple of those rosters, and I've, I've followed a couple of those leagues kind of on the message boards. And, man, those people that can update their rosters and keep that up, I mean, kudos. A, a total hat tip to be able to do that year after year. Exactly. It's amazing, especially when you see some of some of these people modding old-school Tecmo Bowl for a bunch of college teams. That is next level. But we're talking right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. Another big headline has to be without a doubt transfer portal. That's been something everybody and their mom has been talking about. But what's more interesting is lately you've had former Auburn running back Asa Martin transferring twice. He's entered the portal twice already, once to go to Miami, and now he's entering the transfer portal again. And now the NCAA is now kind of starting to make some changes more so in a set of directions for the NCAA staff to handle these waiver decisions. Could this wind up? like making things tougher for players to get that waiver to play immediately now because it feels like right away that transfer portal was getting way out of hand. Yeah, it really is. I think the hard part about the transfer situation is when it comes to waivers, it is just very, it almost seems very arbitrary on who gets a waiver and who doesn't. There's really not a lot of clarity. And I think the NCAA opened the door uh, last season when they created the documented mitigating circumstances um, or, or however it's worded, and you saw players like Shea Patterson and, and, and others got eligible right away, and you saw this season with the creation of the transfer portal and players like Justin Fields, Tate Martell, they were able to beat their school and get eligible right away, whereas you see someone like Luke Ford, a tight end who transferred from Georgia to Illinois for family health reasons was not able to get eligible. So it is a total guessing game. I think these new regulations will make it harder. I think they do clarify the process to some extent, but it's still very cloudy. I think the long term, the NCA has to find a solution. It's either everyone is allowed to transfer once or everyone has to sit out a year. There has to be some sort of blanket policy because it's very confusing and it's really not as transparent as it needs to be. Talk right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. And of course, you know, we can talk about that till the cows come home, but I want to kind of jump over to talk about what's going on with the Kansas Jayhawks, Les Miles, getting ready for his first year as the head coach of the Jayhawks, a program that definitely has fallen on a lot of hard times. Mind you, it is a basketball school, but Right now, you gotta you gotta respect what's going on with Les Miles right now. His recruiting efforts are paying off in, in a program that felt like it would just be extremely difficult to recruit because not everybody wants to go to Kansas. Absolutely, yeah. I think Kansas and Les Miles, from an intrigue, interesting standpoint, that that is a team to watch over the next couple of years. I mean, certainly, Les Miles is probably not going to win a Big Twelve championship at Kansas. But we've seen that he is a good recruiter, and the talent level at Kansas will go up under his watch. And if he can just get this program in contention for bowl games over the next couple of seasons, 
that's a huge victory for the program. I mean, you look at the last couple of years, they struggled just to get to two or three wins. This year is going to be a struggle, but I think when you look at the way Les Miles is recruiting, and if you're a Kansas fan, you have to be optimistic about what could happen in 2020, 2021. It's certainly not a short-term fix, but I think hiring Les Miles certainly raises the profile of this program and really gives it a shot in the arm because they needed it. You're right. It is a basketball school, and you see what's happening in the Big 12. Texas is is rising back. You have Oklahoma, um, and not to mention West Virginia made a strong hire with Neil Brown. There's been a lot of change in the league, and Kansas has been easily the number 10 pick in the league you know, the last five, six years. This program got the shot in the arm, and it'll pay off over the, over the next you know, five years or so. It's just going to take some time. And you brought it up perfectly. You, you, it feels like the Big 12 is changing a lot because you've got a lot of talent at the very top. Obviously, Texas, are they back, are they not? And speaking of Texas, week two, September 7th, you've got LSU hitting the road to take on Austin, head to Austin for the first time in program history to play against the Texas Longhorns. And y'all have it at the top of y'all rankings right now. The recently, Ethlonsports.com just put up the top 25 most intriguing non-conference games. This was at the top of the list. Should we really be surprised? This is the game early in the season that I'm the most intrigued by. And I think we're not going to learn a lot about either team in week one. We're going to learn a lot about them in this matchup. And I'm curious to see where LSU offensively is because I think we, you know, we've heard for the past couple of years that LSU is going to do something with its offense. It's going to get better. I'm buying into that this year. I think LSU will be improved on offense. I'm a big believer that Joe Burrow is the right quarterback for this team. And that LSU defense with Grant Delpit going up against Sam Ellinger in Texas, this is going to be a fun game. And it's going to be important, too, because both teams are going to be right there in the top eight to ten at the end of the year. It could matter for positioning for the playoff. It could matter for positioning for a New Year's Six Bowl game. So a lot of interesting factors. But you have LSU's new offense against a rebuilt Texas defense, a lot of new faces for Texas. But we've seen when Texas is an underdog under Tom Herman, they tend to play above their talent level. So this will be a, f- a fun game and really important to the overall scope of the season. So week two in Austin, this is the number one must-see game uh, for non-conference in, in my mind. All right, one more for you before I let you let you go, man. That is without a doubt. I think we got to talk a little bit of bold predictions. Give me one bold prediction for the 2019 season. I'm going to say, and we, and we predicted this in our magazine. We're going to take Michigan to make the college football playoff this year over Ohio State. I think when you look at the Big Ten, Urban Meyer is no longer at Ohio State. The game is in Ann Arbor this year. At some point, Michigan has to break through. They've won 10 games in three of the last four years. And you go back to last season, Michigan was probably the better team in the Big Ten from week two up until when they played Ohio State. So the Michigan has been on the doorstep. It's time for them to break through. Shea Patterson is a senior. They've got great skill talent coming back at receiver. Ohio State in transition a little bit. I think Justin Fields will be a, a dynamic addition but can he be the passer that Dwayne Haskins was? I think that's going to be the storyline. 
Debian said, we pick Michigan because we think the game in Ann Arbor is the difference and no Urban Meyer. So it's, we think Michigan breaks through and uh, kind of gets Jim Harbaugh over the hump in Ann, Ann Arbor. Thank you so much, Steve, for coming on, my man. We'll be in touch, man, because I would. I'm, I mean, college football season right around the corner. We're definitely going to be having you on a lot more. Hey, that sounds great. I got some magazines coming soon to you, so look forward to talking again real soon. All right, brother, you take it easy. That was Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Athlon Steven. I cannot wait for college football season now. I'm amped up about. It. I'm geeked up as always. About to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with something entirely different. Back with more after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com under the dome. Wrap it up next. From the preps. I gave it a, uh, a 10. A 10. To the pros. And everywhere in between. Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game at 1037thegame.com. Wrap it up today's show as always from the 237 roof studios like i never leave here honestly i I want i wonder if i do leave here it feels like it's just a parallel universe when i actually leave the 237 roof studios i need to probably try and do that a little more often but you know it's always fun to kind of talk with the guy steve lass and we'll have all that up on 1037thegame.com before long but of course like to wrap things up each and every single saturday the same way I've got just enough in the tank for one more take. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. And I think it's going to be very, very different relative to what I usually talk about. I usually talk about things that are sports-related, but this is more in the sports entertainment vein because why not? It's my show. I can kind of cut a promo on whatever I want to wrap up the program. I think without uh, the biggest thing going on in the world of sports entertainment right now is what's going on with Eric Bischoff, Paul Heyman, back in the good graces of Vince McMahon as I guess it's the executive director of creative and handling raw and SmackDown live. I think it's an interesting idea. Will it be the, the bandaid, the cure all to help WWE combat what's going to be happening, looming large with AEW. I'm not necessarily sold on that, but I think it's really cool to have these guys there, especially when you just look at what kind of roles they're going to be taking. Paul Heyman, he'll be running raw. He'll be handling that in. That's very much just a fail safe thing. Have him handle the flagship show. While Eric Bischoff, he's going to be more of a middleman between Vince and these bigwig TV execs for Fox. Because everybody knows in, in like about a few months, I believe October, Fox is going to have SmackDown Live on Friday nights, which is going to be a fun Friday night here inside the 237 Studios, especially during football season. But again, I digress. I think that All Elite Wrestling is going to be 
a true competitor, especially now that I've seen what they've done that first night, Fighter Fest going on tonight, a couple weeks from now, you've got from a Fight for the Fallen, you've got WWE counteracting that with a really cool Evolve show. Again, big fan of that. But <clears throat> my big thing is, when it comes to my last take of the show, is Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, they're not the cure-all. They are guys who will help try and delay the inevitable. I'm not saying WWE is going to die out like the dinosaurs, but I will say this. The person who's out of touch is still going to have his grubby paws all over it, and that can wind up hurting the product a lot. But now you have one guy who can really take everything the creative has given him and then put it in a way that I think Vince and some of the other higher-ups will like, as opposed to, you know, handling it the way it's been done in the past, where Vince McMahon handles everything hours before the show and the final touches. Maybe that's just because he's hiring a bunch of comedy writers as opposed to some actual pro wrestling knowledgeable people. That's probably the other big thing worth talking about. That's all I got on this one final take on this Saturday morning. Mind you, it's not the last take you'll hear on 103.7 The Game for the weekend because we've got a lot of national programming. Houston Astros pregame 635, first pitch 710 today. I believe they'll be starting at 110 tomorrow, wrapping up the series against the Mariners before a day off a two-game set against the Colorado Rockies. Wow. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for everything going on this week. Obviously, a little bit of a different type of feel this next week because we'll be off on Thursday and Friday. Or should I say Thursday? Excuse me. We'll be off just Thursday, 4th of July. We'll have some live and local content for you on a wonderful Friday after 4th of July. And then, obviously, under the dome, we'll be back next week. And that'll get you ready for the biggest fight card. It's UFC's biggest show of the year, International Fight Week, starting tomorrow. Can't wait for that. Also, some college football and a whole lot more. Under the Dome with CD, it's done this week. But trust me, next week, it's going to be lit, baby. We'll be back with more next week on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Don't forget... Raymond Parsons III, RP3 Company. Going to start things off on Monday right at Billy's Boudin Cracklins.